0: you're very welcome back to the clan Terrace view a rugby centric podcast brought to you from the west of ireland this is philip smith coming up this episode ireland are looking to consolidate their second place ranking in the world as they take on the aussies in their backyard in the first of a three series tour of australia this summer just one of a plethora of Rugby tests this weekend as the summer series gets in full swing with all the big international teams playing. Super Rugby with Mike Kerr from Queenstown. The All-Ireland League is looking to restructure proposals out to the club this week. Lots on that to come but let's start with Ireland and welcome as usual to the Clan Terrace View from Hawkeye Sidekick the blog it's Mark Kennedy. Mark you're very welcome.
1: Hey Philip, how are things?
0: great now enjoying the sunshine it's uh it's not often we get 26 28 degrees in in the west of ireland so enjoying it at the moment
1: absolutely absolutely no it's uh it's like south coast of france
0: i think they were quoting that it's, it's it's hotter in parts of ireland at the moment than mexico so we'll we'll take that while while it lasts so i, I guess the uh the team okay. news first of all for ireland uh, i guess the headlines coming out were that Munster Brown, Joey Carberry is going to start with Sexton on the bench. Six changes to the team that beat England at Twickenham. Obviously Rory Best is out um, injured, but also uh, leaving Keane Healy, Tyg Furlong, Devon Toner, Dan Levy and Gary Ringrose all rested. Peter O'Mahony in as captain. Not exactly the team we were expecting. Perhaps expecting to see uh, Carberry in at some stage, but maybe not in the first test. And the front row looks a little bit unusual, maybe not what was expected if he was going out all guns blazing to win the first test. What did you make of the announcement?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably taken, it took me an awful lot by surprise. I thought we would be playing pretty much all the first team regulars against Australia in this first test. Maybe, you know, getting kind of a test match series advantage maybe on the first test, and then kind of integrate a few of um, the guys that need the game time in this tour in the second test. But all credit to Schmidt. I think he said he stalled out in terms of this first test. He wants to evaluate uh, a number of guys here in in the cutting trust of a test match. And I mean, uh, yeah, looking at that front row, particularly Jack McGrath, Rob Herring and John Ryan. I mean, these guys, you know, it's a it's a massive opportunity for these guys to kind of stake a claim on the jersey. Um, you know, Jack McGrath probably playing kind of second fiddle to Keane Healy. Uh, last season at Leinster really has a massive point to prove here to establish himself back in the international setup. Rob Herring gets a glorious chance with the uh, Rory Best being absent, obviously, and then you know John Ryan as well. You know Ty Furlong pretty much the ever-present in that Ireland front row. So nice opportunity for John Ryan here to get some valuable game minutes in in Test match rugby. I mean, big news is probably Carbery at ten as well. I mean, I, I think it's a you know pretty bold move from Schmidt to put Carberry in straight off against a very talented Australian halfback pairing as well. So, I mean all kind of bodes very well for Ireland if these guys can kind of come through the the test match um, with flying colours.
0: Lots of interesting matchups. You mentioned the the halfbacks. Obviously you have the the experience of Will Genia at nine and Bernard Foley who of course is a, an ex-7s player was the Australian... Uh, Sevens Player of the Year back in 2011, so he has the um, he has the ability to, to play a running game, but perhaps some of his temperament may be questionable at times. But it'd be interesting to see Foley versus versus Carbery, and what about the back row? We have obviously Jordy Murphy in as a reward for his performance in the the latter part of the season. Um, Peter O'Mahony and his captain C J Stander, kind of a shoe in, generally these days. But up against Pocock and Hooper, and a debutant on the uh, on the back row, um, Caleb Timu. But uh, no messing about with Pocock and Hooper no
1: world-class operators in the breakdown. It's going to be very interesting from an Ireland back row perspective because I think we all probably assume that the likes of Dan Levy would be kind of featuring in some shape or form. But uh, that partnership of O'Mahony, Murphy and Stenner, they're going to have it all to do in terms of the breakdown battle here with the likes of Pollock and Hooper there. I mean, these guys are exquisite at slowing up opposition ball and also kind of stealing it as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how the Ireland back row that's selected here will kind of uh, manage the, the game there and that facet. I think Timu at eight, kind of an unknown quantity, but again, from all reports in Super Rugby, he's been having a good season. Um, it'll just be interesting as well, um, Philip, just in terms of six and eight here from Ireland, O'Mahony and Stanner how they basically the running lines will be kind of will be in this international test match because you can see australia probably going a little bit for the chop tackle here particularly on stanner for instance so it'd be very interesting to see how ireland kind of changed tack here in terms of uh, providing the ball to stanner uh, at different intervals so again that back row it's going to be fascinating because i mean there's a lot of brashness, not a lot of physicality in terms of that back row and i think they're going to be looking for the assistance of the likes of a James Ryan, Henderson, and there I see even a Robbie Henshaw as well to basically kind of support from a breakdown perspective, because that Australian, particularly six and seven, uh, they're potent threats particularly in that breakdown and then the battle.
0: Second row options obviously we're, we're starting of course with the with, with James Ryan, who's probably one of the first names on the sheet these days, and Ian Henderson, but no place for Ty Byrne in the match day squad. Quinn uh the the option there in in the second row. I guess people may be expecting Ty Byrne to to feature, but given his exertions in the Pro 14 and the fact that he's new into the Ireland setup, maybe he's holding him back for for a subsequent test. I think
1: so too, Philip. I think, you know, Schmidt's style is to really evaluate players coming into the camp, and let's, let's face it, Ty Byrne has only been in the camp only a matter of weeks. So. I think there's a period of evaluation here from Joe Schmidt's perspective where best is burns position here. Is it second row? Is it back row? So I think you'll probably see more game time for tyberg particularly in the second test and definitely in the third test as well. So, and then as well as that, Quinn Roo, Joe Schmidt's a big fan of Quinn. And again, He's work great. His abrasiveness around the kind of fringes as well, really on point in terms of his set piece as well. So I think Quinn has been training pretty well as well in the iron cap from what I've heard. So kind of fully merits his kind of um, place and he will get his 35 minutes as well because definitely I think there's still a question mark over Ian Henderson, particularly on his fitness concerns because he did pull out of that Ulster playoff victory over the Ospreys with a hamstring uh, concern. So I think Quinn may get some, you know, good, Test match minutes here to kind of stake his claim you know for kind of some second row kind of squad kind of um, replacement Burt anyway so I mean uh, for Quinn I think is a big opportunity for him and I think it's fully merited uh, given his end of season form as well
0: of course Quinn is is part of the the Connacht representation with Maramie also on the bench and of course that brings us to the midfield where we have uh, Bundy Ackie and uh, Robbie Henshaw in the centre No place for Gary Ringrose. I wonder, is that related to the Carberry choice at 10 and perhaps they're going for uh, more experience and and a a bit more power to to take some of the pressure off Carberry at 10?
1: It it, it is a fascinating call. I mean, you know, I think there's very fine margins here in terms of... uh, the three-quarter partnership here and I mean Henshaw coming straight back from injury as well I mean it'll be very interesting to see how Robbie basically gets on against a very kind of potent kind of Australian three quarters there as well with the likes of Courtney Beale, Sam Curve, uh, Rivy as well, a very abrasive ball handler. so we'll know fairly quickly on Henshaw's fitness uh, in the opening quarter with those two kind of lurking around. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that Ringrose is, you know, has been omitted because Carberry's inclusion. I think maybe Henshaw's defensive nose, maybe a little bit, just maybe to protect Carberry to a certain extent, might have been the kind of the motivation here. But again, Ringrose will be featuring in some shape test and also in the final test. I think the word coming from this Ireland selection is really kind of um, evaluation. Evaluation is a key word here because, I mean, I think we're just looking at different options here in terms of World Cup qualifiers for 2019. And again, Bundy and Robbie Henshaw conceivably could be a centre partnership for one of those uh, pool games. So, again, it'll be interesting to see how those guys kind of um, uh, work. But again, given their connect... Um, experience playing together. Uh, I don't see many issues there in terms of 12-13, but I think we're kind of blessed here with the the centres that we do have in terms of Bundy, Robbie Henshaw, Gary Ringrose, and then obviously you have the likes of a Chris Farrell that's probably coming back on the scene next season. So, I mean, you know, three quarters definitely, I think we kind of know where our depth chart is, but... Is just to give these players adequate game time and i think this may be the kind of driving decision to maybe give henshaw the, the start over ring well, i guess
0: that's what we were looking to see coming out of this this tour that we had the you know the the testing of those new combinations so very positive development and, and brave kind of things that have to be done at this stage 18 months out from rugby world cup 2019. So all in all, looking at some of the, the feedback on some of the Australian media outlets, they seem to think they've picked quite a strong team, particularly in the back division. Maybe their weaknesses in the, the front five uh, where they you know they have a number of debutants, particularly at Hooker. Uh, so maybe the tight five is where Ireland have a, a distinct advantage.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I think, you know, if Ireland look at the game tape, here well, probably lack of game tip considering some of uh the options that uh, uh australia picked here penanga amosa for instance I, I believe he's a deputant. test match rugby here at hooker Be very interesting to see how the line goes for australia particularly in that first quarter because you know australia really love to play that expansive style you know hit the third pod in the line basically get like i said getting quick ball i can't see the line out here for Australia yielding that quick ball for Australia in this test match. And again, it's looking to slow down the game here for Australia. Australia want the up-tempo game. Uh, I'm really kind of struggling to see how the line out here could maybe kind of be superior to Ireland really, because that's a very established um, Ireland front five as well. You know, Herring's had test match experience, um, but I would kind of be giving that edge to Ireland, particularly on that. And again, in terms of scrummaging as well. It'll be fascinating to see how the likes of the Jack McGrath, the John Rhines do in terms of the scrummaging here. against so a pretty inexperienced kind of unit here. I know Kipu has had uh, several caps here. Uh, CEO is very well regarded as well. But again, I think Ireland, if they're going to target anything, will be at that front five early doors, just to see if there's any kind
0: of weak points. So how do you see it, Mark? Are you, are you going to call it?
1: I'm still going to hedge uh, for an Ireland victory purely because of from a preparation standpoint Ireland have had, had a good two three weeks preparation uh, even before leaving and then Australia on the other hand they've had an awful lot of issues in terms of the Super Rugby Australian teams not giving Michael Cheka players for training sessions granted Super Rugby had their rugby weekend another fixture round last weekend so they've only really assembled on Sunday and Monday really so they're vulnerable Australia. I mean, it's a very, it's it's a nice side of youth and experience. But again, you need those sessions. You need that kind of relationship, that cohesion. I'm not seeing that from this Australian side right now. I think they'll be quite potent in terms of their second and third tests. But I think this really is the opportunity for Ireland to kind of strike hard while they have the advantage of the preparation behind them. So I'd go for Ireland. It'll be a tight contest. But I still believe, given the selection here of Ireland and also um the talent that's on the bench here for Ireland as well I mean you can call on the likes of Sexton and Armour again the likes of Tyke furlong Sean Cronin here coming in the third quarter I think Ireland by three to five points yeah
0: I am going for Ireland as well I guess I was feeling more uh that, I guess that going back to the selection it threw me a little bit particularly the front row some new variables that play there but still fancy Ireland particularly as you say on the back of a only a six day preparation window for for the australians particularly for test one test two and three of course will be will be a different matter so 11.05 kickoff uh ireland time 8.05 in the evening in the in the sunshine in brisbane in new south wales looking forward to ireland taking on the aussies in the in the first of three tests and hopefully we'll uh we'll we'll start with a win to get the, the tour up and running not the only game on this weekend of course like it's a real uh, who's who of international rugby this weekend in terms of all of the all of the big eight teams playing next up chronologically we have the french back in new zealand they're taking on the mighty all blacks in their backyard in eden park in auckland on on saturday morning morgan Parra is back in of course machino is out injured Bastro still captain Few injuries on the All Black side. Uh Brody looks like he's out again, may even be out for the uh, for the super rugby playoffs, having got an injury last weekend. But what a what a weekend for the for the Barrett family. Three of the Barrett's on the starting fifteen for the All Blacks, some kind of record.
1: It kinda of has to be really it'll be a momentous day for anyone involved with the Barrett's. Um, you know, particularly the half back and full back. Combination here, Bowden Barrett and Jordy uh, Barrett. I mean, they're absolutely exquisite players here in terms of uh, their ability with ball in hand. But also you have Scott Barrett as well, who's a very efficient operator in that second row as well. I mean, it'll be a massively proud day for the family of the Barretts anyway. And um, yeah, looking at that New Zealand team, it's just a strength and depth is just phenomenal here. I mean, you say Brody Retallick is out there, but you're kind of looking at some some of the guys here. Liam Squire, very up-and-coming, blindside flanker. Sam Kane, perennial, kind of 8 out of 10 performer. And then you have the likes of Luke Whitelock as well, at number 8, who is destined for great things in that All Blacks jersey. Rico Ioni as well, Ryan Crotty, Jesus. Uh, you know, Ben Smith. You know, there's no weak link here in this French side, and you're kind of looking at this French side, and granted, it's a very exciting back line, but you're kind of looking at the front row, and particularly the back row, and... It's signs of a very much an abrasive French rugby season. There's an awful lot of first choice guys there that are not there. And I think it could be a pretty much a long afternoon here for France, uh, particularly, you know, on the back of the Barretts, uh, three of them being named. But again, I think a point to prove from the All Blacks after last summer's performance against the Lions to really put out a statement in terms of their pedigree and. Uh, I can only see one way in this match, Philip. Uh, it's going to be a comprehensive beat down here of France, maybe by ten to fifteen points at least. Anyway, yeah,
0: indeed, the uh, the the French up against it. Obviously, they, we never know what we're going to get with the with the enigmatic French, but really are up against it in terms of the the strength and depth, particularly at Eden Park, where they last won in New Zealand, I think, in 2009, and have played. 11 times since and have yet to record a, a victory since, uh, since 2009 in any of those 11 tests. So uh, history being made uh, for the Barrett's with the, with the three siblings starting together for the first time. Of course, they finished the, uh, the third uh, drawn test match against the British and Irish Lions in the same Eden Park uh, last year. But they'll all start uh, together, which is uh, a momentous occasion for for the family. Cannot uh, leave the All Blacks this week without acknowledging that uh, this this week was three years since we lost uh, the late great Jerry Collins. Uh, some some video footage emerging during the week of. Uh, a trip he had to Barnstable Rugby Club in in the UK, where he just turned up and had a, a bit of a kind of a, a training session with their second or third team. But hard to believe it's three years since Jerry Collins left us.
1: Oh, absolutely, no, some great tributes there online, you know, particularly the Ospreys as well. He served the Ospreys so well as well as a player, I mean, you know, tributes have flowed in again. It's very hard to believe for that three years. It doesn't, doesn't feel that long Indeed, ago.
0: Indeed, may he rest in peace. Uh, England Amen. are on the road in South Africa. They're heading for Johannesburg this weekend. A real uh, mixed up team coming from South Africa. They had the game last weekend in Washington, D.C. on the other side of the planet where they, where they were up against Wales. Razzie Erasmus obviously kept 17 players back in South Africa for that game, and not surprisingly, there's a real mix-up in the team. Then this this coming weekend, good few debutants coming in, a couple of guys whose names I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce, but a couple of winners, Nikosi and Dianti, uh, making their Springbok debut on the on the wing this weekend. Um, but he has some tried and trusted in terms of experience with people like Willie LaRue coming back in.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Philip. I mean, I think uh, Rasmus really is evaluating squad here. Uh, I mean, they did lose quite narrowly to Wales last weekend, but some of the parts of that performance were pretty below standard. So you'd be expecting a little bit more of a upside from South Africa this weekend. I mean, in terms of the England squad as well, it's kind of a fascinating Selection really from Eddie Jones. Um, not saying that he's under pressure or anything here, but his decision—you know—even having Elliot Daly a fullback, Mike Brown switch to the wing—it's um, kind of a, looks a strange choice to me. Anyway, I mean, like a George Ford Ben Young starting the halfbacks, but then you're kind of seeing kind of the engine room there in the Saracens uh four and five here. Nick uh, is easy and Maro Otaje. I mean, you have Tom Curry there and Billy Villapola. Starts the game for God knows how long, maybe probably a year. But I think the most significant guy to come in this squad is Brad Shields. Um Again, you know, playing his trade, you know, the New Zealander, I mean, it, you know, turned English uh, man here and again, he's going to have to fill particularly the back row and also second row. So, massive responsibility on Shields to come in a test match arena in Johannesburg uh, to kind of fill those positions so um, so quickly. So, I mean, um, it's, it's going to be a fascinating tie here. I mean, there's not much typically between South Africa and England, particularly down in South Africa and, I mean, Johannesburg as well. There will be, you know, the altitude kind of effect there as well. But you know, granted, this is Erasmus' probably first significant game in South Africa. The team will be buoyed up, no doubt. And again, this is kind of a vulnerable England team that hasn't won for for a number of games. So I think, you know, I would be hedging my bets to South Africa here, purely to impress Erasmus as well, because, you know, I think for a few of the guys that performed against Wales, they're getting a second opportunity this weekend. If they don't take it, I think they're... Springbok jersey could be at stake so I'll be hedging my bets on maybe South Africa by maybe three to five points and in a rather cagey encounter as well I think there'll be, this will be a predominant kicking game as well I think when you see the options in England here likes of the Dailies, the Henry Slades, the Farrells, the Browns they're going to put a letter on that uh, rugby ball as well and Look to basically isolate that South African back three. But again, with Willie LaRue back, uh, that's a sniffing upside for South Africa. Yeah,
0: no shortage of uh, kicking ability there. And, of course, speed to to try and win back that ball from from the kicks. Owen Farrell is captaining. uh, England, obviously, with Dylan Hartley um, not included. Uh, Surprising, maybe, that Danny Cipriani isn't in the 23. There was much kind of... um, Fanfare about him coming back into the mix, but he, but he's not included in the in the 23.
1: I think very similar to Ty Burton's situation with Ireland. I think this is Eddie Jones evaluating the player up close and personal. Uh, he's been looking at Danny Cipriani in terms of the training sessions in England and also in South Africa. So you know he's obviously picking guys on merit here in terms of who's who put that hand up in training. Um, so again, I would be expecting Cipriani to you know have an effect here in this test match series maybe test match two or three against Cipriani could slot into a 15 channel here very easily as well but I think it's more to do with the coaching staff looking at Cipriani in terms of training and his execution before letting him out into the the blood and thunder of a test match. So I'll be expecting game minutes from Cipriani, particularly at the latter end of this test match series.
0: Yeah, so it starts to get very very real now for Razi Erasmus. He's obviously been in situ for a while, but uh, starting to get real when he's up against the, the likes of England in these uh, international test matches. Uh, his, his new coaching style and his, his man management of the squad is going to start getting a lot of attention as, as these results start roaring through. How do you see it going, Mark? Do you favour South Africa, I think, by the looks of, of what you've been saying? Yeah I,
1: think yeah, I think South Africa here. I think just particularly Erasmus. time South African England are playing in, in South Africa, momentous occasion. I think the South African team, um, they'll be stung by that loss against Wales and Washington, D.C. I'm expecting a reaction. Um, so I'm thinking South Africa by three to five points here. Uh, again, I think the England squad, it'll be, it just be very interesting just to see the cohesion here between, um, you know, the front row and also the second row here as well. Um, again, the back line here could be the likes of Mike Brown playing in the wing. Uh, do have kind of some reservations on that particular selection as well. i would hedge my bets on South Africa here. Again, if Erasmus loses this test match, I, I would hope for his sake that he's not put under immense pressure by the South African public. But again, this is a rugby mad nation. And I think the manner of the performance is going to probably dictate if there is going to be negative criticism of South Africa this weekend, but I would think given the players that he is out on the pitch, this I think looks a South African win here. With England growing in stature as the game goes on and potentially maybe poaching a test match series uh,
0: come the end. Indeed. So a bumper weekend, real uh, real day on Saturday to uh, commandeer the, the sofa and the TV if one is so inclined. Bumper weekend of rugby kicking off uh, the early game is the All Blacks versus France at Eden Park in Auckland, followed by the game in Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium with Australia playing Ireland, followed by Johannesburg, where the Springboks taking on England and the late kickoff on Saturday evening sees Argentina uh, play Wales in the first of two tests, while Scotland uh, overnight into early hours of Sunday are visiting Edmonton in Canada to play the, the home nation of course lots of other rugby going on, Japan are playing Italy, Fiji are playing Samoa and a not too much publicised rugby international but the USA are playing Russia in the aptly named Dick sporting goods park in denver colorado so that one's not making too many uh rugby column inches in the in the newspaper but it'll be an interesting uh, fi- fixture nonetheless the other international game this weekend sees tonga playing georgia and of course we've got the paris sevens with ireland in a group with australia wales and spain hoping to follow up their amazing performance in the england version of the sevens at twickenham last weekend so wishing the ireland sevens team well there in a bumper weekend of rugby uh, there's going to be fights in many of the house uh, uh, um, looking for the tv set or the tv remote control this saturday i feel i know in our house there will be for sure Mark, can we move on from the uh, from the international scene? Just some news uh, that came to hand this week uh, in Ireland rugby circles, domestic rugby here, with news that the uh, the IRFU have announced that the All Ireland League is looking to change its structure and to from the. 2019 to 2020 season i.e not the coming season but the season after you know i guess in response to the demise of the bni cup for the provincial teams that they're looking to make some changes to to bring the the top end of the all-ireland league closer to the professional game and maybe reinvigorate the clubs as as true feeders into the into the into the professional game the, the, the format that's been outlined and it's just gone out for consultation to the clubs is that it would see two divisions of eight called Premiership 1 and 2. Uh, underneath that, you'd have a subsequent set of another two divisions called the Championship Divisions 1 and 2, also having eight clubs. And then a further set of a third tier of conference divisions is what they're going to call it, with eight clubs each. So by my reckoning, that is uh, that makes 48 clubs, which there currently are five divisions of 10. So we're we're losing two clubs is the first thing that strikes me. Um, but I guess anything that can uh, fill the void between the, you know, the 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 club, the gap between the club game and the professional game, particularly with the demise of the B and I Cup, um, c- can only be a good thing. And I, I think back to. comments made by mick Galway when he when he was talking about you know it was no accident talking about Munster's successes in 2006 when you think of all the the players that were on that team that had come through the ail that that was really the last time we had kind of true feeding through from the ail on mass into into a professional setup i know a lot of things have changed since then but can only be a, a good thing if they can allow more players that are in academies get to play more rugby um, and then move on into the professional setup.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Philip. I think the lack of probably opportunity to play first-time games
0: um,
1: has been kind of highlighted, particularly from an academy level and also looking from a monster A perspective as well. Oh. Uh, just in terms of uh, um, the actual kind of Munster calendar fixture list for instance it's only a handful of games during the year again I think it's going to be a fine balancing act here Philip I mean the club rugby season particularly in you know the top divisions you know the Lansdownes, the Gary Owens very well run clubs I mean you're still looking for guys coming through the club structures as well you know there has to be a goal here for um, you know Kate and Gary Owen or someone from Lansdowne that you know they've applied their trade in 12s 14s juniors to get to that senior team you know I wouldn't like a situation where because you're in an academy you're automatically given the right to basically be in a first team squad I think I think that's going to be the fine balancing act with the consultancy of the paper that's gone out to the, the, the rugby clubs. I'm even thinking of teams that have recently been promoted. I mean, like I said, Ballina have had an incredible season up in Mayo. And, you know, uh, what's going to be their status now, you know, if a white paper like this comes out in the season after next? I mean, you know, is it going to be the the, the more progressive, more teams that have more revenue are they going to get richer and bigger and the teams that are looking to emerge fall off the the cliff i mean we don't want that to happen as well so i think it's going to be a fine that uh, poised um um balancing act i would think from the rfu here um even kind of basing off the new zealand model maybe go back to maybe provincial championships where you may be kind of creating regional teams within connect munster leinster ulster um and literally having kind of a, you know, eight games, you know, 16 team or 16 game season with playoffs or something like that uh, could also be kind of a viable option. But again, it, academy players definitely would need game time and maybe under 23s as well. But again, for kind of senior professional guys, may, maybe re- recuperating after an, a long injury layoff. Yes, but I wouldn't want to be looking at a kind of a, maybe a Munster or a kind professional first team player. Applying his trade at an AIL club, you know, I mean, it's kind of a waste of the contract. So I think there's a few question marks for me in terms of this proposal right now, uh, Philip. Uh, and it'll be very interesting to see what the, how the clubs react to the actual proposals. I mean, they're very much in the initial stages, but I think the ethos of the rugby club, you know, from within and remember with the Munsters and the Leinsters, the likes of the Brian O'Driscoll's, John Hayes', Rona Agarra's. They started summer, started underage in their rugby clubs and progressed up to their first team, kind of rugby teams, and then proceeded on to provincial ranks. So I would still hope that avenue would still be open for a guy that may not be on, on the radar of kind of provincial teams. But, you know, case in point, maybe a Neil Cronin, who's really kind of worked his way up in terms of carry-on in recent seasons and now has got a, a rewarded with a Munster rugby contract. Um, off the back of AAL games, so that kind of case study. I hope that doesn't get. Diminished. Yeah, I think
0: there's going to be huge uh, resistance if there's kind of any watering down of that kind of ethos of the of the club and and the progression up through the ranks i think the you know just reading some of the the media reports and i guess it's only a press release at the moment that's coming out in the media from from the the ail but i think the intention of the the plan was to that the the proposed premiership tier would be the one that was aligned with the professional game and that in the in the first two seasons that the the there would be ring fenced uh, representation from all the provinces so that in a, in a group of eight that there would be two from each two from each province thereby ensuring that you know the high performing players in those provinces whether they're academy or or what else. Uh, would be, you know, have access to, to, to play at that level and then I think after that two year period it would be kind of subject to the vagaries of promotion and relegation and so on I think there's also mention about um, you know, some of the, the kind of the, the legal and contractual situations and some of the rules around you know, who can play um, uh, you know, if you're already in an academy and all that kind of stuff, so there's an awful lot of stuff to be, to be worked out I think. One other Aspect that was mentioned in the context of the the press release I saw was that, in addition to you know what's being proposed here in the in the absence of the of the defunct BNI Cup, which of course is is no longer um, in place anymore for the A teams in the provinces, is the creation of a new competition that would be played in September uh, and October between the Irish provinces and the Welsh regions. Uh, so an interesting development there that they've obviously aligned with their their counterpart in Wales, uh, recognizing the need for, for those teams to be playing. So a lot of a lot of detail to be worked out here, I think. Um, but anything I think that that adds, uh, you know, more uh, energy and vibrancy to the All Ireland League is a good thing in my mind. But we don't want to do it at the at the expense of the kind of the history and the ethos of the of the club game in the country.
1: Yeah, I I think it's just a fine balance in the act, Philip. and Yeah, I think there needs to be some progressive change. I mean, the club rugby scene, you know, with the era of Munster, Ulster, Leinster, Connacht rugby, for that matter, the club rugby side of things was left behind, particularly in the last 10, 15 years. So I think there needs to be kind of some progressive change. But I think, really, it's a fine balancing act, really, in terms of... Giving kind of people or players within these provincial setups a sufficient game time without damaging, as you say yourself, Philip, the ethos of what the club rugby scene is, you know. So it'll be very interesting to see how these proposals evolve in the next few weeks.
0: Indeed. One other snippet of news that came out of IRFU uh, gatherings this past week was that the, uh, there's some changes on the Irish Rugby Union's representation on the World Rugby Council. Phil Orr, who we remember from the, the front row many years ago, and obviously the, the outgoing union president is going to replace Pat Whelan as one of the representatives on the, from the Ireland uh, Union on the World Rugby Council uh obviously pat whelan has been heavily involved in in irish rugby uh, in a, in a range of roles and and some speculation that perhaps uh you know the outfall out of the the failed bid to host the 2023 world cup may have been a factor there uh, but some changes afoot in terms of how ireland is represented at, at world rugby as well breaking this week so lots to come this weekend um really looking forward to a bumper weekend of international rugby Ireland centre stage from our perspective at Suncorp in Brisbane this Saturday morning at 11.05 where they take on the Wallabies Mark thanks very much for joining us on the Clan Terrace View
1: Thanks Philip have a good sporting weekend I got
2: hit by him he said I've never, I've never been hit so hard in my life and he's a bloody They've got a lot of beers in Bristol.
0: Delighted to say we're joined again from Queenstown, New Zealand by Mike Kerr, who's going to bring us up to date on all the happenings in Super Rugby. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Phil. How are you doing? Some fantastic games last weekend and uh, some little shenanigans off the pitch as well for some of the Super Rugby players this weekend.
2: Yeah. Um, so we, we Friday night, not such, such a fantastic game for us Hurricanes fans. Um, another loss. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. Since I've been on the Clan Terrace view, they've been playing terribly. So, uh, yeah, they, 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 need to, they need to get back to the old form. Well beaten 30 to 14 by the Hollanders. Um, the Hollanders played well, um, and, and from an All Black point of view, to see Aaron Smith and Ben Smith um, at the top of their game is, is, is a good. is good, Aaron Smith. i um, firing up those bullet-like passes that he has. Um, all over the field, backing up. Uh, scored a try off a Ben Smith break. Um, ben Smith looking to be back to near his best as well. His acceleration and step, as we know. So so they were too good for the Hurricanes on Friday night. Um, the earlier game on, on Saturday, um, the Blues up against the Melbourne Rebels in Auckland. Uh, the Blues going down 20-10 to, to the Rebels there. So uh, once again, uh, the knives are coming out for the Blues people. A lot of a lot of criticism there for them, um, and uh, even uh, during the week, the one of the board, oh sorry, the the chairman of the board has stood down, saying um, that they need more rugby expertise on the board. So uh, things starting to happen there at the Blues. Yeah, beaten by the Rebels, were good for the Rebels because it keeps them in contention to get top space in the Australian Conference. And then later on Saturday night, the main game, uh, Crusaders and the Chiefs. Um, Crusaders just carrying on their merry way, um, again, without all of their stars. Just just too good for the Chiefs. Um, uh, the Chiefs losing Brody Retallick there as, uh, as for injury didn't help them. But, yeah, the Crusaders playing some some very, very good rugby, um, running out the winners 34-20 in Hamilton. Um, over the Tasman, um, we had the Waratahs and the Reds in a, a try-fest there. 15 tries being scored in that match, 52-41 to 41 to the Waratahs over the Reds. 93 points, that's a, a record uh, for the Australian Australians in Super Rugby. That's the highest scoring and the most tries between two Australian teams. Um, some people are saying that's not a great uh, a lead-in to the, to the test match against the Irish because uh, the defence, some people are very very critical of the defence, Whereas other people are saying, gee, they were, they played some willing and good attacking football. So I guess there's two ways of looking at that. And, and the other game in the Australian Conference, um, Brumby's 41 over the Wolves 31 in Canberra. That's pretty much gone as expected. Wolves are just, just showing that they struggle away from, from Japan. So in the, in the Australian Conference now, you've got the Waratahs on 35 and the Rebels on 34. <clears throat> on the 29th of January, June, they will, they will play each other which will be a, almost a final uh, for that conference. The winner of that game will probably um, take a spot in the playoffs and the loser probably may not. A big match, that one, and it's being played in Melbourne as well. That's the 29th of June. The Crusaders now in the New Zealand Conference out to 54 points um, from the Hurricanes on 45, Hollanders on 40. So uh, the Crusaders, uh, yeah, as I said... Looking very very good there. There was no matches in the South African Conference. Um, they were having a week off ahead of the internationals bit of news here this week as you as you alluded to in the intro Geordie uh, Barrett and Rico Ioane uh, getting a little bit of trouble. Geordie Barrett um, and one of his friends um, walked into a house who they thought belonged to their friend. They were eating McDonald's five o'clock in the morning sat down in the lounge to eat the McDonald's It was actually a house of two young ladies um, they came out got a fright called the police So, uh, yeah, Steve Hansen has said, look, a 21-year-old lad, um, you know, thought he was going to his mate's house because Dunedin is a big student uh, city. There's a lot of students there and um, there's a lot of partying goes on and I think they were looking for their friends. Certainly certainly, will be encouraging my daughters not to go to Dunedin uh, for their university education. Too much partying going on there. Um, but yeah, and Steve Hansen has said, um, yeah, 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 the young fellas make mistakes and uh, not, not, not a professional way to, uh, to to be carrying on a week out from from a test match. And it's more about learning about these things and not doing it again. And the Rico Ioane incident, he didn't play in the match on Saturday night um, watched the game. He was standing down um, because of the All Blacks, um, and went to a, a a function on a Saturday night for the team, and got into what they described as had some antics with a teammate, and ended up with a cut eye. I, I can't really I can't really tell you any more about that. Whether it was whether they were just playing around or whether there was a little more in it or not, you know.
0: Um, how these rugby players can be and he had a nice shiner on his eye anyway afterwards and uh, i guess yes. Jordy barrett and his and his buddy's trip into the uh, into the stranger's house brings a whole new meaning to the house of pain in dunedin oh uh, yes they, good luck. <laughs> they, uh, they, they i saw some footage of him being interviewed in wellington airport as they traveled back from dunedin and he he was very much playing it down that you know he was out with his buddies and they thought there was a house party on there was no curfew for the team so they weren't breaking any protocol around the around the team but it, it doesn't it doesn't make good uh, press coverage coming up to a to a june international
2: no, um, in, in in previous years in the All Blacks, um, when Kevin Mialamu was in the team, um, he he you know he was held, held in very high regard in the later stages of his career. If you had a a, a problem, um, you know a discipline problem, you were sent to Uncle Kevy's room um, for a chat. Um, and and apparently Uncle Kevy didn't even need to say a lot; just the fact that you'd been sent there. Um, it sort of meant you are in trouble, and you and you had to to, to to behave for a while. So that's uh that's what used to happen in the All Blacks uh in the all Blacks when, when Kevin Mealamu was playing. And he
0: used to be the leader of the haka before the games. You could see how he could put the the fear of God into people, all right.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, 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 quite funny because he's actually a, a wonderful, a wonderful, lovely, quite quietly spoken man. <laughs> Yeah. Um, another bit of news this week. We had the um, uh, Queen's birthday honours list to Grant Nisbet, uh, the television commentator here. was on got the New Zealand Order of Merit um, because uh, this weekend he'll be commentating his 299th all-black match. So um, that, that's a fair few games. Uh, no one has watched more all-black matches live than, than, than Nisbo. We call him Nisbo. And um, so, yeah, he, he got on the New Zealand Order of Merit, so that was nice. And and just at the, the All Blacks, oh, no, a couple of other things first. Um, Brendan McCullum, I don't know if you know Brendan McCullum, the New Zealand cricket captain for quite a number of years, um, I think he's hit more sixes in Test cricket than anybody else. He's making a return to rugby in the Waikato, just in a, in a lower grade game, which which is quite cool. And then a, a little side note to that is, once upon a time he played 1st um, 5, five-eighths for the New Zealand secondary, uh, sorry, South Island secondary schools team. So he was keeping a guy by the name of Dan Carter out of the side. So um, uh, in his day, he he must have been a pretty good rugby player, uh, Brendan McCullough.
0: Not shabby at all, keeping uh, keeping Dan on the bench.
2: Yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, yeah, he's making a comeback. He made a comeback, actually, played on the weekend. Um, he, he actually uh, went off injured. Anyway, the, the All Blacks had their training camp, and they brought in Luke Romano, Tom Franklin, and Matt Todd into the camp to cover for injuries. There's a lot of injuries. Brodie Retellick, as I mentioned, picked up the injury, and he won't be playing the test this weekend. Um, he's having more tests to find out how long he's going to be up for um so sam whitelock is also he sam whitelock sam Kane, Jordan tafua and jack goodhue all on the injured list um but i've heard today that yesterday they all trained every every all black uh, in the squad including kieran reed trained um, yesterday so perhaps perhaps they will be a bit nearer to full strength than it was looking earlier in the week when it was looking like they may have up to 6 of the first 15 out of out of the match so um so it will be interesting to see, even I think the team is named tomorrow. So Sam Whitelock might be back, um, Sam Kane and um, Ryan Crotty, who all of them haven't played for, for more than a month. So it'll be inter- just a little interesting to see how they go on the weekend. Uh, just before we jump a bit more into that, one more thing, that uh, two two things actually that just came up today. The Yarrow Stadium in, in New Plymouth, which is the home ground for Taranaki, um, that that has been deemed an earthquake risk um, because the ground underneath it is not stable enough, and and it's been uh, uh, yeah so they won't Taranaki won't be able to use that in the upcoming Mātahinu um, Cup, and that's a ground that's got a lot of history. There's been a lot of internationals played there, a lot of great All Blacks have come from there, played on that ground. Um, it's quite sad they don't have another stadium in the area either. So um, it's interesting to see what's going to happen happen there. Yeah, I
0: guess with the um with the awful happenings a number of years back in Christchurch and the way the Jade Stadium was was uh, damaged, I guess they're not taking any chances. If there is a risk that something can happen in a, in a crowded space like that,
2: yeah, we've got a lot of new earthquake rules have come in since then, and um, there's so many buildings um, don't have people in them because they're deemed earthquake risk. Uh, any, you know, anything that's just just uh, brick. Brick and mortar. <laughs> it's pretty much nah, We're not, we're not going in there. Yeah, um, um, including including the um, museum cricket uh, stand at the, at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. Beautiful old grandstand, um, which had a museum underneath it. Um, um, that that is you can't go in there either. Um, but I think they're going to be going to be fixing that up. Um, back to the All Blacks. Um, the, the, the young proper talked, talked about a few weeks ago. Carl to a in the coafi. Um, I'm, I'm hearing through the grapevine, uh, just a little, little little something I heard is that he may be starting off the bench from the for the All Blacks on Saturday, getting his t- test debut. So we'll we'll see if that's true. Just something that's got just something on the rumor mill there that I heard this afternoon. So
0: uh, that that will be interesting. Of course, we've got to go back to 2009 when Maxime Medard, who's in the squad this weekend, was in the early part of his French career, played in 2009, scored an intercept try took away a 60-yard intercept try uh, to dot down under the posts with a loose, wild pass by Luke McAllister, if I can call correctly, who got into a bit of hot water. But since then, 10 or 11 times, I think, they've played, and uh, France have yet to get another win. Uh, so up against it this weekend, Leble. Can I ask you to put your thinking cap on and, and get some predictions, Mike?
2: Yeah, sure thing, sure thing. So I've got a few written down here, not not in any particular order. Um South Africa versus England at Ellis Park. Um, Ellis Park, what a, what a what an amazing stadium that is. Um, we've seen so many great clashes there, All Black South Africa over the years. Um, um, I, I, I'm going with South Africa. Um, the the home team The yeah, home team always has an advantage. Um, it'll be hot. It'll be the ground will be hard. They're on the veld. Um, the South Africans are used to the, to the altitude and as we know England haven't been playing well, mind you, nor have South Africa, but I, I just think the the recent Super Rugby uh, games, they're, they're starting to show some form, they've got some young fellas coming through so I've gone for South Africa and I'm just going to uh, do a bit of a margin here, I'll do that at 12 and under for the South Africans um, yeah. um, We've also got Fiji versus Samoa in Suva, that's, that's always a, a willing clash with with plenty of uh, plenty of big hits, I'm sure. Um, Suva again, not not a great place to visit to play rugby. Um, yeah, that'll be a bit hot and and, and and not great for, for the summerans. But so I'll, I'm picking the home team there again, Fiji by uh, by 12 and under. Um, All Blacks versus France Saturday night here in New Zealand at Eden Park. Um, yeah, I think I think we'll go with the form book on that one that you alluded to earlier. Um, I'll, I'll go for a 13 plus win to the All Blacks um, I think that uh, they'll have too much pace skill and, and, and um, yeah, and, and been playing super rugby of late um, although we, as I said the number of guys haven't been playing so, so there'll be some rust there but I think with Aaron Smith and Ben Smith showing the form um, there'll be yeah, they'll, they'll be too strong. Um, and, then, and then a big one for you guys on uh, Saturday night as well. So that's a double header for me on Saturday night in front of the in front of the television. Should be quite fun. Australia and Ireland. Um, what a clash that's going to be. Um, I'm, I'm picking Ireland there, going away from the home team. A one to twelve. That'll that'll, that'll keep me uh, keep me in the good books with your listeners. But I, I, I think they Ireland are a great side at the moment. They're just playing very well and and and, and Australia. Um, not quite there, but you look at that Australia first team, they, the team they put out there on paper, and 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 you know when you've got Guinea Foley, Beal and Falau, um in the backline, those guys can those guys can really do some damage um if they get some turnover ball. So um, I'm I'm picking a toughie, um, a close one, a couple of points in it, but I'm going for Ireland.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be close. Um, we we touched on the on it on the podcast last week that the fact that the Australian teams were playing Super rig- Rugby this past weekend. So, what is it a six day camp for the for Michael Chekka and the Australians to 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 put the international um, thing together? So that has me thinking that we have obviously haven't heard the teams yet, but you know you mentioned the the trifest that was the waratahs and the reds you know you could see him going for a lot of kind of continuity in terms of the the um, you know the combinations that play super rugby together at least with a 6 day turnaround and then maybe he'll start to experiment as he gets into the second and third tests but i think we're going to see a lot of the, the players that were on the pitch in Brisbane last weekend for the Reds and the Waratahs back on the pitch again this weekend for the first test
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure he'll, he'll be sticking pretty much with the tried and true um, there, yes definitely in the, in, with those class players you know, world class players in the back line so that, that, that'll be a good game and we've got Scotland who uh, um, uh, they're up against Canada um, that, that should be a good win for the for the Scotties there I, I'd imagine but just it, it's always good this this period of of internationals that we have going on.
0: How is the how, how are the internationals perceived in, in New Zealand this time of year? Obviously they interrupt the, the Super Rugby season they're stuck in the middle of it you know historically maybe they've been seen as a bit of a kind of a warm-up to try out players the summer tour after the end at least in this part of the world at the end of a long season and maybe we're in kind of second place behind the glamour of the November internationals that were always seen as the, the more exciting ones. What's the perception of the June series in, in New Zealand?
2: Yeah, d- down here, we, we, we look forward to these. Um, we're very enthusiastic about them because it's the first game for the All Blacks for the year. So we're always very, very excited to to, to see um, how it's all going to go. So so we 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 watch these with, with great, uh, yeah, Great enthusiasm and and, and rank them rank them very highly. Yeah, no, good good stuff. Love love the June June tests. And then that's a lead in to us for for later on for the um for the rugby championship. Uh but but no, always, always uh uh love the rugby rugby any 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 rugby down here, we love
0: it. So (laughs) lots to look forward to this weekend, Mike. Uh we've taken note of the predictions here and we'll do a review next week of how the how the, how the margins went, uh, I think I can't disagree with you on, on any of them. I think Ireland will have too much for Australia, particularly having been together for the last two weeks, and the Australians coming out of a six-day camp. And history tells us that the, the All Blacks are going to do a job on France. But never never underestimate the, uh, the unpredictable French when, when they get going. We never know what they're going to produce. Looking forward to the games at the weekend. Thanks for joining us on the Clan Terrace View, Mike. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm very
2: enjoyable and uh, we'll, we'll talk next week and good luck to Ireland. Always like seeing the Aussies getting beaten. Cheers, see ya.